Here we are, the final Cannes podcast. It's all over. We've seen everything we're going to see in Cannes. How does everybody feel? Absolutely exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the same same lot as last time. James isn't with us. He's gone home. The diehards remain. He makes sound dead. He's not with us. <laughs> yeah, he probably is. <laughs> I think there's a plane crash. That's all I've heard. Um, yeah, so me, Damo, Laura again. Um... Me and Dame have been here from the beginning. We're there till the end, as always. Um, we've seen a lot of films, so let's try and be very economic. <laughs> let's plough through this, um, and we'll see how we get on. So let's start with yesterday, Saturday. We all went to see the same two films, am I right? Yeah, I think we did, yeah. yeah. We, we, we went to see Nichols' Mud. We had um, g- g- gala tickets for that. And then we went to watch Cronenberg's mm, Cosmopolis. Who wants to kick us off with Mud? <laughs> I'll I'll get down in the in the mud and start us off. So um, go for it. An eight thirty screen is always hard work. Um, <laughs> but obviously this was um, yeah, this was pretty much the first time. I think it was in fact. I don't think there was any press screenings before this. So this was the kind of first time anyone had seen it. Um, and I quite liked it. It was it was nice to have a, a film with a narrative. Um, it was very kind of a rarity in Cannes. <laughs> and this had a kind of. Um, this was a story involving kind of two two small boys. One of them was in um, Tree of Life, which won the Palme d'Or uh, last year, and they're both they're both very good. So it's kind of set in I think it's um, is it Louisiana and a kind of on the, near the Mississippi or the kind of um, tributary of the Mississippi or maybe on the Mississippi themselves. A kind of um, round the corner from um, Beast of the Southern Wild. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, these kind of two young boys are very much. Um, kind of boats people for want of a better term they kind of live on the river they kind of know the river inside out and then live on a boat in fact they yeah, live on a boat um they kind of uh you know like a fish out of water if you pardon the pun uh, when they when they go to the town um so they kind of come across a mysterious character who's played by matthew mcconaughey who at one point does get his at least at one point gets his top off is it is it in the contract, in every film he has to get his top off. Um, and he is a criminal on the run. Um, the boys kind of uh, take the view to, to look after him rather than shop him in to the, to the local law enforcement. And he, he kind of takes them under his wing and enlists them in to help him, you know, to get him food, help him, help him build this boat... And how he does this, uh, one of the one of the boys is kind of interested in his in his pistol, um, which uh, Mud Mud is the name of the uh, the character uh, played by Matthew McConaughey. So Mud promises to give him his pistol um, when they help him with his task, but the the kind of main character, the little boy, is more interested in helping him because he has this kind of very romantic notion of love, and he he wants to help him in order that he gets together with his, his girlfriend, who Mud assures him is due in town any day now. And they obviously, they do kind of see see her in town a few days later and know that he's telling the truth. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of an, an interesting story. It's very, very slow moving. Um, but I think it's nicely done, nicely played by everyone. Um, the only kind of real action comes in when when the kind of... Um, what's the word? Kind of hired. Uh, what's the word for a, someone who's 
bounty hunters, that's the word I'm looking for, when the bounty hunters kind of um, eventually track him down. Yeah. Um, that's well, it's worth kind of... mentioning that, obviously, the, the, there's an issue between the fact that he's had a run-in with his, his girlfriend's ex-boyfriend or whatever it is. That's sort of where it all comes from, and that's why he's on the run, isn't it? And that's sort of where the where the drama builds to, isn't it? This sort of final standoff between everybody. Yeah, so basically yeah. Mudder's Mud has, Mud has killed a man um, in for, for a woman, basically. Um, and, yeah, it's kind of this relationship between between him and her. She's a, you know, it's not necessarily the romantic kind of love that is uh, is kind of built up in the little boy's mind um, and he's kind of disillusioned later on in the film um, along with his relationship you know his relationship between his parents as well um, but I think it, I think it's kind of interesting it's kind of well done nicely shot it, look, it looks good um, as I say it's kind of a rarity to have a narrative film in Cannes as well um, so yeah I, I, I liked it I liked it what, what did you guys think? Oh, I, th- I, I think, Damo, that, the, you know, the fact that at that point we were so grateful to have something with a narrative, you know, anything would, with a narrative would have been great. You know, Matthew McConaughey's torso, or no, it was still great to have a narrative at that point in Cannes. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I think that it was it was quite enjoyable to watch. I think it was a bit slow in parts. There were, again, moments where I was quite bored and I was like, come on, move on, something happened. I think there wasn't really too much drama until the end. Like, I never really felt any real danger until towards the end, which at that point, you know, was quite exciting. Um, Quite a predictable ending and stuff as well. But, you know, I thought, particularly for me, what stood out was the young lad who played the main character, the one you're talking about, who um, had this romantic notion of love. I thought he was a stand-up performance in it. And, uh, you know, I'm quite looking forward to seeing maybe him in something more as he gets older, seeing, you know, what he turns out like, because I think he he was very good, um, very good in it, Uh, as opposed to Reese Witherspoon, who I thought was pretty bad <laughs> she's not great um she's never done anything good since legally blonde in my opinion <laughs> so <laughs> so well i mean yeah i mean I, if, if i'm going to be honest i think i'm probably the least enthusiastic about this film out of, out of all of us i know um james is really um, positive on it as well um it was good i mean it's a really odd one because in a way you're sort of right you know we sort of do crave we have been craving stories. We sound like such in the end. We sound like so fucking unabreachive. Don't we? we just want a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do. And I think, but in a way, it didn't give me enough. It didn't give me exactly what I wanted from what it sort of promises. Because it's it's not a an, an outhouse piece. It is a quite a, a standard um, thriller, drama, drama. Um, and then I think if I watch this out of Cannes, I think it's subtlety. And it's, you know, how underplayed it is. And it's, I think I'd really appreciate, I think I'd appreciate it more out of can, if that makes sense. When actually, uh, you know, when you, you know, you're going to watch, you know, the, the kind of usual cinema releases. And I think this would be a real breath of fresh air. And it is class across the board. You know, everything about it is, it looks nice. It's, 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 it's like I say, it's, it's so underplayed and so subtle in its writing. It's kind of beautiful at times. The performances on the whole are really good. But, I, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't quite enough for me. It didn't really engage me. Um, you know, it's not mega dramatic. It, it, you know, the story is kind of 
quite tame to an extent. It does ramp up towards the end. So in effect, in can it sort of left me wanting a bit more, needing a bit more. Actually, is probably a better word. But I actually think. I think you know when you know you know a few months I'll watch it again and I think I'll appreciate it a lot more when actually it like I said it's subtlety will appeal to me a lot more. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think it's definitely a film for a five o'clock on a on a Sunday afternoon in it is one in of those England films. rather than eight thirty yeah. in the morning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Having seen twenty two other uh, other films as well, so yeah, no, and, I, I know exactly what you mean, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it was probably perhaps a little over long as well. I think the running time was was a shade over two hours, and I think it could have been yeah, trimmed down a little bit. But I like I like the kind of slow pacing of it, and um, yeah, I, I think it was you know probably in my top five of the, of the twenty three films I saw in Cannes. So um, I would say high praise indeed, but is it? <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, certainly better than the, the better starts than the last podcast anyway. Yeah, um, but and um, you know, is this streak going to continue after that? We um, queued up, and we all went to see a film that we were all very excited about. Me and Damo almost almost didn't get in. Yeah, I sent there. I sent the disabled man outside to um, use his one leg to get you in, and it worked. <laughs> did you do us a favour though? Did we? Did you like it, Laura? Mm. Cosmopolis, we're talking about. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I would kick off with this film and talk about? But I, I really can't because, I'll, I'll be honest, I fell asleep through most of it. Um, partly because I was so tired from Cannes, but partly because after five minutes of hearing Robert Patterson talk, it just bored me. So, someone else. So, you actually fell asleep? Okay, then. I so did. I mean, I woke up at various points, and I can talk about those moments, but generally I was asleep. Okay, so we, okay, so that's good. So, this is going to be quick. Okay, so, obviously, Cronenberg Cosmopolis, we was all very excited about it. It's his, you know... It was getting some really good, a few dodge reviews, but it was getting some really good reviews, and we were buzzing about it. Um, and I th- you know, Laura's sort of comments, are, are, you know, I'll just echo them in a way. And the film is, it's obviously his sort of response to the financial situation we sort of um, find ourselves in, which seems to be a, 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 a bit of a theme, a bit of a fucking predictable theme, if you ask me. Um, again, it's it, it does have. You know, because sort of, I would say Cronenberg light tropes, um, but it is definitely one of his films, um, and it is it, it's set in this sort of Matrix-like reality. If you ask me, you know, they kind of go around in limousines, they're suited, and there's sunglasses, and that's the kind of aesthetic of the film. And what it is, it just seems to be again, like like a few other films, there's a lot of common common themes. It's like so we see following Robert Patterson, who's this sort of high-flying investment banker, is he? Is he an investment banker? I think he's an investment yeah. banker, but he obviously does a lot of trading in currencies. I don't know what yeah. the official term for that is, but yeah, he specialises oh, in that, Oh, is that the currency. word on the street? Trading in currencies, yeah. Um, so he's obviously this sort of, like, multi-billionaire where money is meaningless. Gazillionaire. Tr- <laughs> um... And we're basically following a day, and we find that you know the kind of there's, there's hints that there's um, sort of terror alerts, and it's not really safe for him to drive around. But it starts off that he wants to get his hair cut, and he's going to go across the whole of town to get his hair cut. At this, you know, we, we, you know, that's all we know really. So we we know there's you know there's hints at danger, but that he wants to get his hair cut. Fair enough. So we follow him around in his in limousine, and basically what happens is again, like other films, we were, we're introduced to a, v- a variety of characters. So there's these sort of like 
we just introduced so random people end up entering the limousine and they have these conversations they have these mini scenes that we fuck some people there's a lot of fucking in it every um, time I woke up actually he was fucking someone else you must have some kind of like, fuck da yeah you know I mean, when, when it's happening yeah. you're like whoa um, <laughs> juices start flowing up um, and I mean the thing is I mean ultimately and then it sort of crescends and then you realise I mean I don't want to give too much away that actually he is bored with life and he needs he wants to sort of feel something I suppose like many films um, are like this um, so it, adds, it ends up having this sort of dark turn towards the end um, now ultimately the film is pretty dull I mean the problem with it is that the performance the acting is atrocious our parts or whatever it's called <coughs> isn't good enough the supporting cast are not good enough. Although, in the main, I actually blame the script. I think the script is so, so poor. It's so badly written. You know, I mean, it says all the predictable things about money and the sort You know, it, it doesn't say it in an imaginative way. And the dialogue is so stilted. And, it, you know, it's sort of supposed to be. You know, I get what he's trying to do. It is supposed to be. There is, you know, everyone is kind of emotionless in this sort of... this. <laughs> what you imagine is sort of a future, futuristic sort of reality. Um, everyone is emotionless and everyone, you know, there's no sort of connection. Everyone's cold and, but it thinks it just doesn't work. You know, yeah, these people can't communicate. So they speak like they do. Yeah, but I, it does, I don't care. You know, the fact is you're emotional. It, it's, it's all engaging. It looks like bad acting. That's the thing. If, um, you know, you can think of something like American Psycho, which deals in a sense with the same themes about somebody who's sort of so rich and you can sort of offer him nothing that he's sort of emotionless. He's almost like a robot in society. And he's looking for a way to kind of have this excitement. And in American Psycho, it's these fantasies of killing people and women. Um, and in this, it's, you know, it, but the fact is that works. He pulls it off because the, the combination of the writing, the actual scenes themselves and the performance work. But this, none of it does. The writing shit, the acting shit, it's, it just doesn't, you know, it, we know what it's trying to do, but it fails. And if it succeeds, then, you know, uh, just ultimately, it, you know, it just doesn't work for me because it's completely unengaging. <laughs> It's not... I know I fucking love dialogue. You know, I love dialogue. If Mamet wrote this, I'd have been all over it. You know what I mean? If, but it's just not... It's, it's not sharp. There's no there's no banter. I know that I'm, I'm a big fan of the word banter, but there is no banter to it. It's not... You know, it's not It's not fucking sorking right in this... It's not... There's no memorable lines in it. You know, we talk, spoke a few days ago about, like, um, killing them softly. You know, however much we, we had a few issues with it. There's some amazing dialogue in it. In this, I think there I are some memorable lines in this, but for the wrong reasons. Oh, yeah. like, absolute comedy lines towards the end. But, like, Paul Giamatti, actually, is probably... It's the best. The, the best thing in it, yeah. but... <laughs> but... His lines are just absolute comedy, absolute comedy. Um, few oh, pearlers. I think, I think this is a film where I actually, I actually lost it. I become hysterical. And, you did. Um, this was a moment that can finally got to me. The moment was when Machi Almerich's character pied uh, our pats <laughs> in the face, the and Darren, Darren jumped, jumped about two feet in the air, and I, I kind of lost the plot at that point and was laughing hysterically. You're just giggling at yeah. the film. Um. But it I, was just so ploddy. you got to love a pain, it, pain it, in the face. But that's the thing, it was so ploddy. It was so boring and <laughs> slow. I was just surprised at such a quick movement in the film. <laughs> <laughs> so go on, today, mate. You How know, many films have a pie in the face, though? Exactly. Today, mate, you know, <coughs> laughing hysterically, did you get a lot of enjoyment from this and it kind of so bad it's good? Or did you think it was? You know, what, what did you think? Uh, I think the only thing going for it is the fact it's the not the worst film with a white stretch limo in Cannes. Um, it's only the second worst behind Holy Motors. 
Um, that's the only thing I would say it's got going for it. Now, I kind of echo a lot of what you said, really. Um, I haven't read the uh, Tom DeLillo novel upon which the, the, the kind of film is based, but I understand that much of the dialogue is kind of literally copied and pasted from, from the novel. Um, but it doesn't actually work in here in the same way, as you mentioned, American Psycho, that kind of detached um, kind of staccato delivery works. But here it just it comes across as as bad acting, really. And I think, you know, we're basically deliver it in that kind of cold, calculated way. It just doesn't work. Um, lots of it is, it's obviously kind of... Um, Lots of the characters who who enter the back of his limousine are kind of uh, kind of ciphers for other things, but again, it just it just doesn't work. The kind of there's lots of lots of kind of supposedly deep conversations about um, complicated recondite financial instruments that kind of don't mean anything to anyone who's you know not kind of worked in Wall Street, and and it's kind of quite quite impenetrable, really. Um, this kind of young, young, early twenties people talking about billions of dollars of worth of transactions and kind of dealing with currencies like the yuan and the and the yen and things like that that you know don't really mean a lot. And these kind of conversations go on for for quite a long time. <coughs> Excuse me. And it's just quite dull. Um, we kind of only we only kind of glimpse the outside world from kind of within the back of his, his kind of souped-up white stretch limo. And in the outside world, we kind of see these um, demonstrations that are going on. Um, and again, there's, there's kind of no drama to it. There's no threats. We, we kind of learn that um, Robert Pattinson's character, is, is, his day is kind of bad because he's losing literally all his wealth. But again, there's no, there's no sense of... Because he's kind of this detached character, we, there's no kind of sense of... Of drama to it, no threat. Even though there's kind of, kind of learning of these um, assassination of threats on his life, there's no kind of sense of drama of that. It just kind of meanders along through the city as he's going across the city to get a haircut from his, um, from the barber who used to give him a haircut when he was little, and it plods along with these uninteresting encounters between various different people with his kind of a lover, an older woman who's his lover, his kind of his wife. Who, um, who by the end of it, by the end of the day, is going to become his ex-wife, uh, ultimately leading to Paul Giamatti's character, who kind of, again, is just another cipher for the, the kind of the one percent. Um, you know, obviously, sorry, the ninety-nine percent. Robert Pattinson's character represents the, the mega-rich, multi-billionaire one percent. Paul Giamatti represents the kind of other ninety-nine percent who are, who are struggling. He's a kind of an employee, a former employee of. Of Robert Pattinson's character, who has lost his job, um, he'd worked on a the currency, the uh, Indian currency, I think, the baht, and they have a, another long conversation about the kind of what makes the baht interesting. But it's so uninteresting for the viewer; it's it's unreal. Um, and yeah, it, it's just incredibly dull. Um, it's obviously kind of. You know, it's kind of not like early Cronenberg. There's none of that kind of body horror, though. There is a kind of you know, somebody does get shot at one point, which is about the most interesting thing in in the entire film. I woke up at that moment. Quite exciting. So loud guns and, and sex wakes kind of Laura up. And to be honest, I think you know you're not the only one who falls asleep <laughs> in this until those moments. It's it's again it, it doesn't say things have been said in a more interesting way before than than Cronenberg does here. Um, 
it's long, it's kind of plodding, it's uninteresting. Yeah, it's a, it's a massive fail, unfortunately. Apart from uh, the pie in the face, which... Um, <laughs> and and the, the, people have written books about shit. Yeah. Yeah. And people have written books about shit, yeah. And there are books about holes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a couple of perlers at the end, but apart from that, it's incredibly disappointing. I, I mean, yeah, towards the end, when <coughs> he he starts to be, be a little bit more nihilistic, I suppose... If it was like that from the beginning, and he was just sort of like on this sort of like almost like this lust for excitement or emotion or whatever, I, you know, it could have again, it could have been more interesting. But it just sort of, in a way, it's sort of like monologue, boring monologue for the boring monologue. And then at the end, it starts to sort of ramp up a little bit. It's just, oh yeah, so yeah, bollocks. <laughs> but we're we've got to get up in a few hours. <laughs> uh, what did we watch? Today, today, the last day, I don't know if anybody knows, but it can, on the very final day, they show every single competition film back to back in a, in a, in a, in, in three cinemas, four cinemas, whatever. Yeah. Um, so you can't watch them all, but you can pick and choose, you know, sort of like the best ones or the ones you missed. So we started off, you had a bit, we all had a bit of a lay-in. <coughs> what time did you get in last night, Damo? Uh, God knows, it was, it was light, so that's all I can remember. Seven in the morning. Yeah, that's crazy. Seven, yeah. we got in at four. Is um, it late or is it early? Um, but you had a big lay-in. But we got up and we went to watch Amore, Hanukkah's Amore. Um, you've seen it, so you didn't watch that. Laura, you you know you fell asleep during Cosmopolis. Um, so tell us about Amore instead. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, much better film. <laughs> much better film for me anyway. I, didn't, so, I certainly didn't fall asleep in this Don't one. spoiler it, but you know, actually, you know, Damo spoke about this just very quickly. We don't, oh, okay, very quickly, Damo, I wasn't yeah. around when Damo spoke about it, so I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll be very brief. Um, so I guess Damo's already given a brief outline of the story, so shall I just give... Just what do you think, yeah. Um, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this one. Um, I thought... I was expect Because I'd heard that it was going to be that there was going to be almost like a distancing so there was going to be a distancing from the emotion and you weren't almost like you weren't going to be feeling the emotion of the characters but I didn't actually find that I I felt that I did engage with the characters and actually there were moments for me particularly at the very beginning of the film when you first find out that that the the um the female character the elderly lady is ill there were moments for me where he's um, he's sort of helping her into a chair or, and there's these just quite, in te- for me, quite intense scenes where he's, he's literally, it's just physical scenes of him moving her from one place to another. And I found myself actually welling up like those moments for me, because even though it's not like long conversations, that's really sad and emotional. It was actually the physicality of having to, what you'd have to cope with and what your relationship has come to actually really made me feel quite, quite connected and quite emotional at, at those points. I re- I sort of really felt... I mean, I'm quite an emotional person, but that's what I felt. Um, but then as... And I, and I didn't necess- and I didn't necessarily find because um, I know Damo, you thought that the the camera angles and the we- the sort of cinematography was quite distancing. But again, I didn't. Is that right? Am I right in saying that? Um, I, I I kind of thought I didn't feel emotionally engaged with it. Although I did I did kind of think the performances were great and it was kind of. I did feel for them. I never really kind of felt moved to tears in a way that I would expect ordinarily with this kind of film. I just think it's the kind of clinical position that precision, sorry, that Hanukkah brings to it. He is such a master. It's almost kind of too perfect. 
in a way, if that's possible, that it's kind of so brilliant that I just I wasn't fully emotional, emotionally engaged with it. Um, having said that, I do think by far, it's by far and away the best film in Cannes this year. Yeah. What, what well, do you think? Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, just, again, I'd, I really, again, for me, I don't know if it's just me, but for me, like, moments where they might not be following the characters, the camera stays on uh, an empty, sort of an, em- an empty room, but you can hear the characters in other rooms or whatever. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's the idea to be distancing. I don't find that distancing. I, I find that quite engaging and sort of almost, uh, yeah. almost like a reality and, and it, it sort of pulls me in. But maybe that's just me and I just, I just sort of enjoyed, enjoyed that style. Um, well, you've not seen any of his other films, have you? No, I haven't. Because no. all of his films sort of do so that. Maybe, sort of so maybe, so yeah. maybe in that sense, you might feel a bit like, "Oh, it's boring." But for me, I really enjoyed that. Um, well, I think the reason I think the reason why it's distancing, although it wasn't for you, the reason it's distancing is that it, it really positions you as this distant observer. That you're not following them, you're not in with them, you're not going into. You know, you're just sat in a corner or whatever. And even if they go into another room, you know, you know, subconsciously, it's like you're away from them and you're sort of like just peering in from a distance. He's, he never... Yeah, you, you empathise with the characters and, you, you, you know, but you never... I never I never felt moved to tears and I, you know, I'm I kind of often, often cry yeah. in films so it's quite unusual for me. Um, I, yeah, I cried in a few films in Cannes, but... Um... <laughs> for different reasons. No, but there the, the were issues for me. Okay. I think there were some... Um, some scenes that were just a, a bit too long. There's a particular moment where he's he's capturing a bird, this pigeon that flies into his house, and it just goes on and on and on. So, I just sometimes I just thought too long-winded, and also sort of the 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 climax, the, the conclusion it comes to, I, I thought was a shame because I didn't really believe it. But you know, I, I definitely one of the front runners for me, though with everything that I've seen. Definitely. Yeah, I mean. I'm not, again, when we chatted briefly last time, Damo, I'm not a big, massive fan of Haneke. I, I always appreciate him, but not a massive fan. Um, and with this film, I mean, yeah, I mean, there was times where I was touched by it, um, and then, but mostly I wasn't. Um, yeah, it's a really difficult one. I, the problem is it's just too long. It's, it, it, there's just not enough to it. It's a lovely idea. It's, you know, obviously very well done. But it just drags it out. It drags sort of nothing out. And ultimately, everything is so internalised. The emotions are so internalised by the characters that they're never released. And it's sort of fine. You kind of get a sense of the sort of bubbling away underneath. But there's not loads. There's a few moments when he plays the tension of a scene or he creates tension of a scene. But a lot of it, you just sort of, like you said before, you know, you're watching him sort of put her on a chair. You, you know, so these things are just sort of happening. And I just felt as if it, it was a... How long was it? It, was, it could have easily sh- chopped off 30, 40 minutes. Been much tighter and more effective for, for, for that. Yeah, I kind of agree. It could have been shorter. I mean, I guess it was kind of... It was showing all the, you know... So that you, as a, as a viewer, kind of understood why um, why the male character ends up in a position doing what he, what he does do in the film. Um, I guess that's why he was kind of showing how... You know, despite the fact that it obviously loves her deeply and has done for a long time, that this kind of it, obviously it does grind you down having to care for this person in this very, you know, constantly, co- constantly caring for in every little detail. She's un- unable to do anything. She kind of reverts to being a, a little baby again. That she can't. You know, he has to basically take her to the toilet and do all these things. So I guess he was kind of doing that. Although, I, you know, I agree with you that it was kind of 
it was unnecessarily long in building up to that. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, and yeah. ultimately the most. I mean, I did think I did think it was really good. I think it was really strong. But ultimately, the, the most damning thing I can say is what he ends up like. You're, you're hinting at what he ends up doing. I think it's pretty obvious now. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> well, but ultimately, when he did it, I didn't give a shit. <laughs> I mean, and that is the most. That's you know, and I think that is a massive failing yeah, on his part because yeah. I never, I didn't care an ounce. I just kind of was just. It was like nothing happened. It was one in in, in terms of the film. It's one of the most horrific things you should you should have been able to see without him. I, well, for me, it was more that like I didn't believe it. I just didn't believe that he would do yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just I, I, it's not that I didn't believe it. I, I just I, I, I didn't care. I thought that was I thought that was it was really well handled, and I thought it kind of it built up. I know I, I kind of was just trying to not give it away, and I'm, hopefully we haven't completely given it away here. But I think it, <laughs> it was handled absolutely perfectly, and I kind of think the the kind of build up to that. Although it was over long, I thought it handled it absolutely perfectly. And for me, it was the kind of, it was the logical conclusion. And I thought it was kind of handled really well. Mm. Fair enough. I just didn't, like I said, I just didn't care. That's my problem with it. And I should have done. I should have been heartbroken by it. And I, I wasn't stirred in any way. I for literally me, just watched heart... it. Like I was, but it's like me, I was a character from Cosmopolis. But for me, the heartbreaking moments were more at the beginning. The realization of what's about mm. to happen—that's more heartbreaking. But you know, let's not bang on it too much. Jamo yeah. spoke about it at length before. Um, that's our feelings. Um, then we all, then we all met up. We we saw f- some psychopath smacking people <gasps> ra- random in the. Um... I think obviously, uh, yeah, he had obviously watched uh, Lawless and uh, <laughs> Toffee too much, and uh, all we saw too him. Much for him. Um, Tanibus looks and just needed to vent his fury. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Um, so yeah, after we saw that kind of pugilist maniac, we managed to get in to see uh, Yagton or The Hunt, which is a new uh, Thomas Vinterberg film. Um, who I've, I've not seen any of his films since uh, Festen, which was you know. How many... Has he made a film since Festen? Yeah, he's, he he's has. made a number of films since Festen that yeah. have have not been well received critically. Um, so uh, I have not actually seen any of them, but this is this is obviously the first one that has has got back into Cannes, and. Um, yeah, I thought it was it was kind of brilliant actually. It was it was again a nice to see another narrative film. Um, it's really nicely shot. It kind of follows uh, Mads Mikkelsen, who is a teacher in uh, kind of I don't know if Lucas. it's a primary school or, or pre-primary school for, ver- for very young children anyway in um, in uh, in Denmark, and he he looks after these children. And over the course of the film, we learn, obviously learn that he's very good at his job, but he he is accused of 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 um of, I don't think it's a spoiler to say what he's accused of because I think it's you know pretty much pretty much well known. But he obviously working with uh, as a kindergarten teacher, it's obviously pretty obvious that he's accused of being uh, being a paedophile. And the film over the course of the film, he. You know he's not innocent until proven guilty. He's kind of very much opposite way round, and it's obviously a very kind of small, tight knit community. Everyone knows each other, um, but no one, no one kind of believes him. They believe a little ch- little child, and then obviously all the other children kind of jump on the bandwagon, and um, allegations are made, and that you know that aren't true against him. It's never, it's never kind of in doubt that what what they're saying. You know, is 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 true. We kind of learn from the outset that he's he's a you know he's not that. But it's kind of learn how 
how he's uh, you know the hunt he's hunted down by by his community um and i thought it was it was really rather good i thought the kind of cinematography was was really nice the performances were really you know strong across the whole board even the even the little children um mm. were kind of strong and it leads up to a kind of a slightly unexpected unexpected finish as well um what was kind of wholly satisfying i thought mm. and um you know, unexpectedly, I think this is the kind of, in my opinion, the second best film uh, behind Amor in, in Cannes this year. Oh, I I particularly think that The Hunt is, is better than Amor. I enjoyed it a lot more. I think the tension in this film was just incredible. And you say, you talk about the unexpected ending, but I think a lot of scenes in that film played out not in the way that you you would expect them. And for me, a lot of the, the drama happened because you were sort of willing the characters to behave in a certain way or to follow a certain procedure. Or, and, and, they, and obviously, you know, at first I was getting really annoyed. I was thinking, you wouldn't do that, you wouldn't do that. But then I realised throughout the film that actually faced with this situation of, of a young girl saying something and you're not quite sure what it means what would you do, what, uh, you know, yes, there are procedures in place, but what would you do really and what would you think and what would you believe and how would that play out? And then as soon as some sort of accusation like that is made, then what happens? And I thought, like, the scenes, the way that they played out and never were never quite what I expected, but that, that just added to the tension and added to my enjoyment of the film eventually because it it's sort of, even though it's a, um, a sort of subject matter that I think a lot of people probably have thought about a lot and talked about a lot because I just think that, that it is one of those subject matters that's in the press a lot, whatever. I do think that it still made me think about it in a new way because I thought I had particular opinions of what, you know, especially working with children myself, what I might do in that situation where something disclosed to me or how I might behave and then just seeing this sort of new take on it I suppose for me just I just was absolutely mesmerized by the film thought it was incredible and I really enjoyed Feston and haven't seen or heard about any of his films since so you know I'm a big fan <laughs> but you know I just thought and again like you say I thought performances every single performance was just incredible particularly what's his name Matt Mickelson M- who, Matt Mickelson who, who won best actor tonight yeah Deservedly so, I think. How about you, Darren? Um, I mean, I feel like I'm in an awkward position, really, because I don't really want to repeat what you guys say. And ultimately, I agree. I mean, I do think it was the best film at the festival by a mile, actually. Um, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was an amazing film. Uh, But, you know, I kind of agree with everything you guys say. So, you know, I don't want to repeat that. So I'll talk about something which I had a mild issue with. Um, and it's sort of linking in what you're saying. I mean, I loved how surprising it was at how nothing played out how you'd think it would play out, and I loved that and I, in it. And I loved that, you know, characters never reacted how you thought they'd react, the relationships didn't progress how you thought they'd progress, and it was brilliant. But the only issue which I had a slight niggle with, and I got over it very quickly, was just how quickly the turn happened and how... Because ultimately you say they believe the little girl. Actually, the little girl never really ever accused him of doing anything. Everything was just sort of reading to her comments and stuff like that. And I just felt it was borderline. There was a period of about a minute or two where it was almost comical how they twisted her words and how they believed her so quickly. Um, 
but that is a minor, a real minor niggle in the grand scheme of things. But I thought I'd, I'd throw it in there um, instead of just repeating what you guys said. It, 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 I didn't buy it one hundred percent the the turn of the community from what from what happened from the what actually happened. I felt personally that there needed to be a little, a tiny bit more from the girl because she barely said anything. And it became this massive thing. And I just felt as if it needed a little bit more for me to buy into the whole sort of village going with it. But, I mean, that's a minor niggle. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I absolutely... So there are only two mm. characters that, uh, you know, heard what she said. So the, the idea of the whole community turning is different to those two, those two characters. Well, no, it was when the kind of the whole the school had that meeting and so well, whatever. I mean, we're going into too much detail. I mean, mm. You know, ultimately, uh, I absolutely love the film. And like you said, Damo, very satisfying. Like at the end, it was just like ah, that is it. That is brilliant. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is we've not had too many wholly satisfying sort of um, experiences in in Cannes. Well, I think the documentaries have probably been the most sort of entertaining. And then they actually, and then some of the films, some of them have been great. Like Beasts of the Wild, great film, but had a lot of issues with it. And more. Great film, had a few issues with it, but this for me was the most sort of complete film, and yeah, I'm glad he won. But I, you know, obviously, I sort of wish he won um, the bigger awards because Amor has won. Um, yeah, so you know, brilliant. We're all very. This has been a bit more of a positive day. So well, so from the sublime to the ridiculous, what did we see next? <laughs> but yeah, exactly. So Laura, Paperboy. Oh dear. Um, it's just you know let's not too, let's not dribble on too much about it. Um, what is it? It was kind of what, what, what is it? The paperboy. What is it? Good question. Uh, yeah, it's it sort it follows a story mainly follows a story of um, what's his name? Is Zac Efron? I don't know the character's name that he's, that he's playing, but um, Zach Efron, who's sort of a young lad, and he, I don't even know if I can describe this film. Um, he's, he's, is it his elder brother, played by Matthew McConaughey again, um, uh, is, he's um journalist. Am I right? I think I'm right in saying this. I've just sort of switched off. You know what? Do you not forget it, Laura? Demo, can you describe the film? No, let me carry on. Here you go. Okay. Uh, so, basically, they come across this woman played by Nicole Kidman who loves uh, uh, John Cusack. Uh, John Cusack. Fucking hell, Laura. I can't speak anymore. It's late and I'm tired. Yeah, so John Kosiak is in prison, um, accused of, of killing a, a police officer, and they're sort of trying to disprove this. Um, I, I didn't entirely follow that story. I thought it was a bit ridiculous. But, yeah, basically, Nicole Kidman goes with them, to, and they arrive to the prison, and they're supposed to be talking about this this case and trying to get him off in some way, <laughs> shape, or form. But then Nicole Kidman and him end up having some sort of fake sex moment. And then... Um, and there's bits in a swamp, and but this is the worst synopsis of all time. Really, because it's, a, it's a kind it of just it just moves from one thing to another. <laughs> At some point, John Cusack gets out. Time. I don't. It's, it's, no, not not the worst film in Cannes this year, but it's definitely the the kind of the trashiest. It's I, I mean I thought it was absolutely abysmal. <laughs> it is it's obviously directed by uh, Lee Daniels. 
Um, but I don't, I don't know what his kind of direction was in it. It just kind of a lot of stuff thrown together that didn't work at all. The kind of That's everything why I about can't it. Do it. That's why Apart I can't explain it. The look of it. It looked. It looked. It looked kind of great. It looked like it was. Um, it was from the period. It's kind of set in Florida. Um, in the kind of towards the end of the sixties, I think, and it kind of looks. It looks really nice. It's really grainy. Um, I don't know what kind of film stock it, it looks like it was shot on some kind of really old almost 16 mil film stock it's that kind of grainy um, if it wasn't it's kind of if it's shot digitally then they've kind of treated it really well um, but apart from the look of it everything else is, is pretty abysmal the performances the kind of the way the use of music in it is kind of seems quite arbitrary the the kind of meandering story I didn't believe anything in it it's kind of you know, Zac Efron is a is a kind of a, a hotshot swimmer. He's been kicked out of college. He goes back to his hometown, and his his older brother kind of comes in with a a, a colleague, a kind of a notionally a, a British uh, journalist, um, a black British journalist. And obviously, this is kind of set during the the kind of racial tension. There's a lot of racial tension in America during this period. Um, and I didn't believe anything, anything of it. I didn't believe anything. I didn't believe the characters would behave the way they did. Nothing's kind of fully explained. Matthew McConaughey gets his ass out in this one. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't get his. Uh, doesn't get his. Uh, his just torso out. He gets completely, completely naked in the hotel room. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was complete, complete trashy. Just didn't make any sense whatsoever. It just wasn't cohesive. I didn't believe the characters would. You know, behave in the way that it's not kind of fully explored why Matthew McConaughey and his his co-writer are interested in in, in kind of getting the John Cusack character, you know, off, even though he didn't kind of you know they believe he didn't commit this crime. Um, it's obviously a pretty nasty piece of work. It's not kind of fully explored why Nicole Kidman's character is this kind of death row groupie who, who kind of you know one of these kind of mad women who kind of writes. Um, Letters to, to kind of men on death row. Even you know she becomes engaged to John Cusack's character before she's even met him. Um, and then you know when when you know I don't think it's giving anything away anything away to say John Cusack's character gets out. Um, everything kind of leads to exactly where you kind of expect it to lead. It's just kind of not satisfying in any way whatsoever. Um, thought it was absolutely terrible. I, don't, I really don't know why what this film was doing in competition is. Baffling. Well, it probably got selected before because after pressures, I'd imagine before they'd even seen it. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was just pure trash. It was sort of done in that sort of grindhouse way, like you say. But even the sort of editing, I don't know if it was intentionally bad, like it was going for that style. But the sort of like they had these sort of like weird sort of cr- slow crossfades of like faces. You know, it almost made like that Rocky or Picture Show, that kind of dream sequence where all the heads are coming into view. It was so cheesy, um, but it was like laughably cheesy. It didn't sort of like work within the tone of the film. Um, but it was just, I mean, there's a scene where Nicole Kidman pisses all over Zac, Zac Efron, and it's sort of, it's sort of for me, that scene represents the film. It's just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Um, I got, so, uh, you know, it's just, I'm not going to lie, it was shit and it was ridiculous but I got a, a bit of enjoyment from the film not that bit I must add um, but like John <laughs> Cusack I thought is the only good thing in it really I thought he's this sort of over the top sort of <laughs> serial killer character kind of, I thought it was quite entertaining and the sort of the ending although like you say it was very predictable I actually thought it was probably the most sort of accomplished bit of the film and the most sort of 
enjoyable bit of the film, really. So I was like, it kind of ended on a bit. Was like, okay, that was absolutely ridiculous, but you know, it kind of lifted me at the end. Let's not forget the um, the incredible narration by Mesa Gray. Oh God, she was awful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely abysmal. Yeah, There's just abysmal things. Bizarre. Cannes <laughs> is a bizarre, bizarre festival, isn't it? So, kind of one of the one of the other themes. Obviously, we've had the stretch white limo theme that's kind of recurred throughout various, you know, at least two films. This this one has the recurring theme of the throats being slit, which is not a particular favourite of mine. Yeah, but as yeah. In, it, to be fair, it's effectively done in this film. It's very really effectively well done. done. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah, it's very good, very good. But I mean, the reaction from the audience is quite strong as well, and it's probably the best. If I'm going to, you know, gig, if, if there was an award for palm palmed slope for it. Slope, 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 throat, slope, slope, throat, slope, throat, slope, um, then this would win. But I'm but surprised this didn't win, like, best editing or something like that. <laughs> it wouldn't yeah. surprise me. It's really um, so, yeah, so that's it. That's all our films. Um, well, actually, no, I, uh, obviously you kind of sloped Of course, no, sorry, and, yeah. And uh, went for some dinner, whereas I kind of trawled onto the bitter end and saw my last film I saw, my 23rd film of the festival, the 14th film in competition... Um, was the Matteo Graney film, and obviously he won the uh, the Grand Prix, which is the kind of the second prize in two thousand and eight for Gamora, which was um, I thought really rather good. This was a lot weaker. Um, I'll kind of keep it brief because we've kind of been going on for quite a long time now. But uh, suffice to say, I don't think it would have won the Grand Prix if, if Nanni Moretti wasn't in uh, wasn't a kind of president of the jury and that kind of Italian connection. I think bagged him that prize. Not to not to say that the kind of Italians are are kind of known for the scandalous nature and their corruption <laughs> and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's basically a film about a larger than life character who's kind of well well liked within his extended family because of his kind of gregarious nature. Is kind of um, always always making everyone laugh at kind of fun family functions and gatherings and we kind of we, the, the opening is actually quite nicely shot it's kind of like a long helicopter shot over this kind of entrance of a young couple to the wedding at which um at which um, the main character who's actually in prison or serving a life term um in, in real life the actor who's, who, who plays his character unbelievably um was allowed out to make this film god knows how that works um but he was well again, oh, i thought that happened after the f- no, I understand that he was in prison, serving a life sentence, I don't know what for, but was allowed out in order to film the scenes. But he wasn't allowed to can. Um, so obviously, they're kind of quite, uh, quite lax in their uh, penal, uh, in their kind of prisons over there. Um, but anyway, yeah, this, this kind of character is, uh, is kind of larger-than-life character who who sees one of the contestants, one of the, I, don't, I think he's probably a winner of, of an earlier Big Brother who is obviously doing well enough to kind of go to various different um, gatherings, for quite, presumably for quite a large fee, to, to kind of spout his, uh, his catchphrase, never give up, and never stop dreaming, or some such nonsense, and arrives via helicopter to kind of put, on, to put in this kind of five to ten minute appearance at, at weddings and birthdays and bar mitzvahs, etc. Um, and, and the kind of main character is is kind of inspired by this and his life goal is therefore to get on Big Brother and he's convinced that he can he can achieve this and starts seeing um, people from the television company all around his kind of Naples. Obviously he goes to Rome for an audition and goes back to Napoli 
and imagines everyone that he sees around his, his fish stall is someone in the employ of the Rome television company. And so he therefore tries to live his life in a better way in order to kind of present himself as a character worthy, in inverted commas, of being on Big Brother. So he starts kind of giving stuff away. He buys coffee for a kind of a homeless man and, and things like this, much to the chagrin of his, of his wife. And um, that's pretty much it. He kind of loses the plot, essentially. Um, it's, it's kind of... Is it satire? It's, it's kind of too lightweight, I'd really to say. It's not a biting satire at all. It doesn't really say anything that's not been said before. It's kind of okay. Um, but it's nowhere near the second best uh, film of, of in competition this year. It's kind of somewhere, I'd say, down the middle. It's kind of harmless enough. Um, but it's certainly certainly nothing nothing outstanding. So it's kind of quite nicely shot. Much of it is sort on a steady cam, kind of moving around the main character. We kind of see things in quite extended takes, and that kind of opening is a bit of a kind of tour de force, tour de force of uh, of a kind of director opening up a film. But apart from that, it's pretty pretty standard. Pretty not a lot to it. Nothing nothing too impressive. Um, nothing but- to suggest that it would win the win the second prize, but obviously it did. But it's entertaining enough. So. Did he get in Big Brother? Sorry? Did he get into Big Brother? I've not seen it, but I'd say no. <laughs> um, I'm joking. Yeah, I don't want to give anything away, but um, it's, it's a kind of self-deluded character. It's kind of, it's kind of like um, King of Comedy Light, but very, very light. It's kind of... <laughs> it sounds um, like it could be quite sweet in a kind of a... You know, life is beautiful. So you know, is it? A... Yeah, it hasn't hasn't got the kind of um, the charm of that, or the kind of lightness of touch of that. It hasn't got the gravitas. It hasn't got the kind of you know the the real kind of rigorous examination of King of Comedy. It's just a bit lightweight, really. Mm. It's, just, it's... it's just it's just yeah, it's it's fine. There's nothing wrong. It's a, kind of a bit overly overly long. The opening kind of half is is more interesting. The end goes on for way way too long. The kind of um, yeah, the new one just drags and drags. But, it's yeah, it's not terrible. It's just not particularly very good. It's kind of fair to middling, really. Um, I think, you know, Nanny Moretti got him the, got him the uh, second prize, and that's about it. Cool. So, that's our can journey over. Can 2012, done and dusted. Are we all going to be there next year? Yeah, I think we'll be back next year. We'll kind of obviously need a bit of a, a, bit of a film detox, I think... Um, Euro 2012 is coming up in a couple of weeks' time, so it'd be good to watch some football and not watch some films for a while. But I certainly, you know, I'm looking forward to watching months. some shit, some trash, and I don't mean paperboy trash; I mean good trash. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I'll certainly, be, you know, looking forward to 2013 already. Really, we need another new bag, don't you, really, Damo? So I do. I've, I've already kind of managed to destroy my uh, my new one. The handles come off, so uh, yeah, 2013. I need a new yeah, bag. My zip's already broken. I think. Bloody hell! Yeah. 2008 lasted you four years. 2012 lasted you a week. Poor show. Yeah, so that's for the economy. Cosmopolis is so on the fucking ball, isn't it? That's what happens <laughs> when your money goes. You buy cheaper bag straps. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, we've had fun. We've got to get up at five in the morning to. <laughs> To get the train to Marseille, to get the flight to London, to get the train from London to home, to Lincoln for us, and London in Shepherd's Bush for you. <laughs> Bushy. Um, great, it's been fun, Damo. We've had a good couple of weeks. Yeah, good for you to come over, Laura. Final week. Um, yeah. 
we'll, we'll get back to our normal podcasts when we get back because um, these podcasts don't have any jingles, they don't have any anything. They're a bit flat, to be Aww. honest. This is going to come in and we just come in like the background noise and they're a bit shit, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, great. Okay, so see you later. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. Bye.